Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, I'm Joe Connolly at WCBS News Radio, along with producer Neil A. Caruso. Let's see. Today we'll talk about the story of a popular New York-based business that has grown a lot, Smorgasbord, the open-air food market and food festivals business that grew from its early phase at the famous Brooklyn Flea Market. Now Smorgasbord is not only national, but international. I want you to meet the co-founder, Eric Demby. Eric, I get the impression that you kept growing almost right through COVID. Is that right? Yeah, we kind of did. We were uh, we were up and running by about August of 2020. We had a we pivoted, which was the word of the year, to a uh, like a sort of we called it smorg to go. We developed our own little online web ordering platform. Uh, Grubhub and Seamless got wind of it and gave us a little sponsorship to keep us alive. And um, people were ordering uh, remotely and picking up their food, sort of like you do at like a sweet clean kind of thing at this lot where we do our flea market in Williamsburg, where the food vendors were set up every day. Um, And we did that for the fall. We took over the old Chelsea flea market, the old one on uh, 25th Street. It's been going for like 40 years. We took that over in 2020. And um, we opened that one uh, Labor Day weekend so of 2020. So, yes, yes, definitely but haven't stopped. Even you then pivoted to delivery as opposed to selling outside on the street to the people who were outside. Is that because there were no events to draw large numbers of people? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we've all blocked it out to a certain extent. But... Um, yeah, we weren't, you know, you couldn't have a gathering of more than, what, like 10 people at some point. I don't even know if you could have a gathering of any kind in the summer of 2020. So, um, yeah, we just, it wasn't even delivery. It was honestly just pickup. Yeah. And it was like you ordered it online and then you came over. So you were actually able to get a little bit of this kind of smorgasburg vibe of it. Like there were vendors there. You were interfacing with another human being. You know, you weren't just getting your food in a bag to your house. Um you were, it was a reason to leave the house. That was the thing. It was like actually something to do. Pick up your food, go across the street to where Smorgasburg actually happens, the state park, Marshall P. Johnson State Park, and have a picnic. And a lot of people did it, actually. And so it was, it was like a ersatz Smorgasburg. What advice do you have for business owners about growing fast? I mean, Smorgasburg 
is in Miami, Los Angeles, foreign cities. What advice do you have, Eric, on managing yeah. fast growth? My advice is actually, it's interesting, in your, in your question, you said for growing fast, we actually have grown very gradually. Um, we've, we've actually tried a lot of, one of the things I would say is that I, I'm not like one of these Silicon Valley people that believes so strongly in failure. I don't really like failure. Um, I believe in launching in a way that everybody hears about what you're doing. And then if it doesn't work out, try to, try to fail quietly. <laughs> so nobody notices. You know, we've had markets in Washington, D.C., actually two different times in Philadelphia. And um, we, we try, we really love to try new things. Um, and, um, and we make a big splash when we do it. But then when it goes away, we love it when people don't notice. But um, the reality is that I really believe in, um, in um, having a, uh, like a core principles you know what I mean? And, and, and understanding what it is that you're trying to do before you grow. I find that companies, small, large, whatever, um, they really just sort of um, feel like success is their goal. And I don't know that it's defined for them. I, I obviously know that capitalism and money drives people, and that's totally fine. We all need money. Things are expensive. But I feel like whether it's us as a market or the vendors themselves um, individually, the, the really small businesses, you know, they really have this passion and this drive to connect with people and to share their, um, you know, their passion and their and their narrative. Every vendor has a little story, right? Sometimes it's a big story, and they want to share it with the world. They want to connect with people through food, and that's like, you know, that's a that's a driving, that's a guiding light. Sort of, what's your true north? Someone asked me last week, and it was very easy for me to answer that question for them in like 60 seconds. And I feel like that true north is really what you want to have. Because then you're going to find yourself just talking about it incessantly to the rest of the world, if you're lucky, of course. And you really want to be caring about what you do and sharing that. And that's what drives, that's what, that's what I, for what we do, that's how, that's how we've been able to grow, right? And the speed at which you grow, I think, is actually fairly irrelevant. It's more important that you're achieving your goals. That's a great answer. Neil, what questions have you cooked up for Eric? Well, Joe, you know, you mentioned the national expansion of Smorgasburg and, you know, you are also, Eric, expanding, I see, to Jersey City. So what's the reason behind that move uh, and opening that new location in our area? Yeah, so the Jersey City, uh, where we actually opened, uh, reopened for the season on Saturday and had over 10,000 people. Saturday was the beautiful day. Sunday was the not beautiful day. Um, we, the way we, you know, we are really mostly, um, we're mostly responding to opportunities when we're offered real new locations to do like a full smorgasburg as opposed to some sort of one-off event. And so in that scenario, we had um, Matt Cali, a big, you know, national, I think they might even be a global developer. I think they're, um, they might have some public interest. I'm not really sure how, what, you know, yeah. they're a big company. Um, they um, have been working in the Harborside neighborhood of uh, Jersey City, which is down by the water. Um, close to where like Goldman is and the path train and that kind of thing. And so um, last year, you know, they're doing a huge, they're doing a big, they're making a big play down there. Uh, one of the people that used to work at the uh, Barclays Arena with the Nets when the Nets first started out had gone to work for them. And, um, you know, they were trying to, you know, just like activate. So we're often working with, um, with real estate developers or sometimes public entities as we are in one of the cities we're going to be opening in the summer where we're, we're invited. You know, they want to activate a place where there's not as many people. They know there's going to be people usually in like three to five years. 
and they want to get it started sooner with, and we're sort of like a temporary tenant. And so with COVID and everything also, I don't know, this is the weird nuance of COVID in 2021, the, the um, governor of New Jersey was like slightly ahead of Cuomo in trying to like get stuff open. And we were able to, <laughs> to basically be allowed to reopen sooner there. And there was, a, there was a lot of support there. New York was like in a very complicated, you know, because New York suffered so much, New York was a little bit more cautious, I guess you could and say. And congestion um, too. Yeah, yeah. And so we were able to get open there. And um, also what we found was that, um, you know, even though Jersey City is like right there, right across the river, and it feels almost, uh, you know, almost, there's almost, you could think there could be too much overlap with, with what we normally do. Um, we found that the, not just Jersey City, but really the region um, of New Jersey was so full of, um, uh, you know, different communities, uh, you know, ethnic diversity, um, South Asian community, Filipino community, um, uh, Jamaican and West Indian communities. And so we, you know, that, that is really what drives a smorgasbord, right? Is when you have that variety of food that is real, it's not someone trying to, you just woke up and said, I want to make a Jamaican taco. It's like a person from Jamaica who, you know, or has Jamaican heritage. And so when we found that in New Jersey, we, we you know, I guess we leaned into that and we, and the, the response was so powerful. Um, Cause that's really what drives us. As I was saying earlier, when we go to a place and there's that hunger among the among potential vendors to be part of the market and the creativity is there and the and really the talent pool in a way you know it's sort of like any other company um when we see a talent pool uh that is limitless um we know we're going to do okay you know how many employees do you have to handle all of this eric uh, it's not that many and during covid it was even fewer you know we had some ppp and everything but like um, we, we don't have a lot of full-time employees, to be perfectly honest with you. We are, um, we probably now have maybe like a dozen year-round salaried employees uh, between New York and Los Angeles. Um, and, and, um, and Miami is a slightly different arrangement, um, but also a small team. So, and then we have a lot of seasonal employees, like day of folks who are working with us here in New York, April through October, and then in LA year-round, like kind of day of just on Sunday. Eric, you must be excited about the World Trade Center opening back up, too, and full capacity this year. Uh, those businesses that are there, you mentioned diversity in Jersey City. There's a wide diversity of businesses that come to the World Trade Center every year. Uh, people flock there downtown. Uh, tell us about this summer, the season ahead, and also, out of curiosity, the businesses that are there, they must get so much brand awareness. And uh, do they, I mean, do you know how much attention they get? from your smorgasbord fe uh, festivals? I mean, are they able to really bring people to their storefronts uh, and market off of that? Well, you know, that's such an interesting question because, um, you know, the, the, brand awareness, the brand awareness is a huge piece of why folks do it, right? Uh, when you're at that size of business and you're just starting out, to have anyone know about your business is really your biggest challenge, right? Um, you can do every, you know, it's like a tree falling in the forest. So you can have the most delicious food and if there's no one there to try it, um, you're just making dinner at night for yourself, you know? And so the big thing for them is that these are folks that are, um, you know, they're, they don't have access to capital in the way that someone who's opening a restaurant does in a major city. And it's not the kind of thing where you can just open a restaurant in New York and unless you have, you know, access to the high six figures, even for a small space to fit it out and pay the rent and pay the minimum wage and all these things, it is not easy to have a restaurant in New York, not to mention the risk at Smorgasburg, you're, you're paying 
a little bit of rent, you can usually get in the door CapEx, maybe 10 grand or less for your equipment. And, you know, you're one of the employees and, uh, and you're making money immediately. You know, the first day of the market, you're, you're, you're putting cash in your pocket. And so it's all of those things together, which is, you know, when I was speaking before about my true north, you know, I think for us, it's really being able to give folks that economic opportunity these days is incredibly important in a way for our economy. And then I think in lower Manhattan, down by the World Trade Center, um, you know, we've always, you know, we, the, only, the only full year we've had there was 2019. And it was every time I would come out of the subway and, and show up at that market and see, you know, One World Trade and the Oculus. And, you know, I lived in Manhattan uh, when 9-11 happened, not far from there, honestly. And um, I, uh, every time, you know, it's, the, it's really sacred ground there, you know. And so we always just felt so special being able to do anything at the World Trade Center. And so I think being part of this, unfortunately, sort of second revival of Lower Manhattan. Um, and, you know, last year it was real sleepy down there. You know, Lower Manhattan's stock and trade is um, office workers and tourists, both of which are still in short supply. And so to see it coming back, uh, you know, this Friday, this past Friday on opening day compared to um, where it was last year is, uh, you know, I was with the, the chairman of the Port Authority, Rick Cotton, when, on the opening day. And, you know, you can, you can just sort of feel everyone, you know, no one's, no one's fully, uh, you know, breathing, you know, no one's letting out all of their breath yet, right? But we're getting there. You know, you can sort of feel the, that, that activity, people from all over the world that are a little bit lost, you know, tourists right. being confused, like all those things are like, for a New Yorker, you're like, thank God. Yeah. You know, I always felt it was awe-inspiring to go down there and see, you know, what has become of the World Trade Center site. Um, it's really, you know, quite breathtaking. Uh, one more quick question before we get back to Joe. The city must be thrilled to have you back. What is the economic output? Do you know an estimate of what the economic output hmm. is for New York City? Um, that's such a, that's a, that's an interesting question. You know, I, 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 we try to quantify that as best we can all the time. But, uh, you know, I think if you think about how many vendors there are and how much I think that they make on a given day, which I don't always know, um, and then you, you multiply it out by how many days were open. I, you know, I think you're in the, you're, you're definitely in the like tens of millions of dollars of economic activity. Um, wow. And, you know, we, I, I feel like whenever I run into any kind of like community trouble, I'm always having to recite these figures, which don't always have so much meaning, but it really has grown to be quite impactful. You know, we also have these flea markets. We have a lot of, you know, a couple hundred small businesses that are part of the family just in New York and now LA and Miami. And so, I don't know, I, I, I am constantly pinching myself to still be around at all after COVID because if you were to sit there in March of 2020 and think, oh, I might, my, my, uh, my income is based on events of more than 10,000 people. <laughs> I was like, I think this might be it. I think this might be it. And so to see 10,000 people come to Jersey City this past Saturday um, was, you know, it was really everything for us. Eric, did I understand you to say that you closed down a couple of operations in Washington and other places? Because they, is that because they weren't working out as you had hoped for you? Um. Short answer, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what we found, what we found is that in, in, I don't like to call them smaller cities, but 
if you're not a mega city like New York or LA or Miami with, with a lot of tourists as well, right? Um, it's really hard to sustain a weekly market with at least 40 vendors on a weekly basis throughout the year. Um, in DC specifically, I underestimated the power of the humidity and the heat. Um, it's really swampy there in the summer and just unbearable to be at a market. And in Philly, we were really, you know, Philly, we tried in like 2011, so we were too young and we called it Brooklyn Flea Philly because we oh. thought Brooklyn Flea was all mm. that. And I was like, what a huge mistake in hindsight to like, for especially for Philadelphia, who, you know, because people oh. are like, Philadelphia is like the sixth borough. And then you get there and they're like, we want nothing to do with you. <laughs> Much we different city. compared to New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, we were, we were doomed from the start down there. But we always have great launches, these things. You know, we get a ton of press in the local paper and TV. And a lot of people will come the first two or three weeks. But without a really big media market and visitors to the city, and frankly, just like well over 2 billion people, um, it, the, sustaining it is hard. That's but you thing. restarted. Like, I mean, you reopened in some of those places that you mentioned where you closed. You figured yep, it out yep. a little better, right? That's exactly right. So we, you know, what I learned is that, so we did a flea market in Philly. We did a flea market in D.C. And then we came back to D.C. with a smorgasbord. But what we really learned, and I'll be honest with you, part of it is the you know, population and the size of the city. But what we really learned from doing LA in 2015, when we, we launched it in 2016, but between 2015 and 16, when we were getting going there, I was going there myself a week a month. I hired a guy. And what we did is we built a community. We, we talked to everyone we know. We let people know what we were doing. We, you know, we touched different parts of the city. We, we made sure that we were building an inclusive community, you know, that felt like it really reflected all of LA, which was, you know, not easy to do. And we were relentless in, in, um, in sort of like getting buy-in. So LA felt like it was, is, like it was its market. It was not a transplanted market. It was all vendors from LA. It was an LA thing, you know, and now six years later, a lot of people that go to the Smorgasburg in LA, which is huge, you know, it's like 10 to 12,000 people a day. And it's like, gets so much press. I'm actually envious of it from New York at this point. Um, a lot of people go to that market and then, you know, my manager will introduce me to his friends and they'll be like, oh, there's a Smorgasburg in New York too. And I'm always like, that's the, that's success, you know? So there you go. that was, that was the lesson. But you know, what we learned is that it's a lot of work. You can't just, you can't just ride and ride in your coattails and say, Oh, everyone's so excited for smorgasburg. They'll just show up. Like you really need to, um, you know, build a, build a community around what they're doing. Well, thank you for your insights. And, uh, Eric has been at a uh, terminal type of a place so you can hear some noises behind him. Uh, but, uh, thank you for your insight and sharing your experience. And also thank you for all of the businesses that you have helped start. As you said at the beginning, some of these businesses have a little story behind them. Some of them have a big story behind them of somebody's dream, and, and you've given them their start. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate being on. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.